All right, let's uh, let's turn back around and we will get started. This will be the last of our uh, discussions on evangelism, but it won't be the last discussion we have on evangelism, hopefully. So um, next week, Murray will begin our three to four week series on apologetics. So I'm looking forward to that. Hope you are too. You'll see these things build on each other. Um, hopefully, uh, especially as we get into discipleship at the end. But let me pray for us and we'll get started. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and we pray again that as we meet, that you would meet with us and that you would open our eyes and our ears as we listen and hear, um, that we uh, would give patience to one another and that we would um, learn what it means to um, understand evangelism in this culture and this time and age and uh, what that might look like um, for us here in Fort Worth. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So just briefly, a little review. We, we uh, Last week ended with methods, and I had you all read that uh, sheet by uh, Wes Simmons who t- uh, titled uh, Humble Evangelism. Again, I can't recommend it more. If you, if you didn't get it, if you weren't here last week, that's fine. I can get you a copy of it. His, his main thing was um, that, that so much of evangelism is us talking about why other people need the gospel and what he began to find, not just as a pastor, but as somebody who um, shares his faith with people, is that what seems to be more effective or what seems to be connecting with people more today is, is first sharing with people why I need the gospel and beginning to build that bridge, uh, which is less um, judgmental, seeming less judgmental, because I'm talking about me and my story. That's a very popular, popular thing today. Um, it is less um, taboo. Uh, you're just offering, offering stories about the way that God has worked in your life, which also reminds me, uh, something we talked about two weeks ago, but a, a friend mentioned this last this week, that that really evangelism is nothing more than talking about and sharing with each other, not just non-Christians, what God is doing in our lives. And so if we're kind of wondering, you know, what should we be saying? How should we be evangelizing? How should we be evangelizing? What should we be saying? Start with the stories you're telling each other about what God is doing in your life. And maybe, maybe that is pause for concern because I don't know, what is God doing in my life? You know, when is the last time I actually shared with my neighbor here, what the Lord is doing. Because um, I would just say, I would just offer, like, if you're doing that, then you have something to offer somebody else. And uh, that would be a, an example of humble evangelism, of just talking to people about what God is doing in your life, why you need Him, okay? Uh, the last method I want to talk about briefly, and we'll probably, it'll probably show up as we look at these case studies, because today is just about putting all this to work, getting us to talk about how we would uh, address these case studies, if you will. Um, but this is going to sound shocking, but uh, if all else fails, just open the Bible with people, okay? And I say that, you know, obviously, tongue-in-cheek a little bit. The, the most powerful thing that we can do for people is not give them a winsome word, is not give them some type of method. It's actually to open the Word of God to people. Uh, that's where you're going. When we're going to offer Jesus to people, we're going to show Jesus to people, we have to, that, that's where the power is, and it's in His Word, and so there was a phrase that kind of was confusing, I guess, two, three weeks ago when we started, um, that, that said that, that what we see happening today, and what I would offer to you all, is that we are discipling non-Christians and evangelizing Christians. And just to put some definition on that, um, 
I'll use the college campus as an example. Um, most of our experience with, with Christians, especially uh, PCA kids as they come to, to, uh, to campus, um, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll probably broaden that out and just say, kids that just know the answers have been in church, right? And college is that fun time where they kind of get to figure out this is what they believe or not. Um, most of them get there and they're so apathetic, they're so cynical, they, uh, they're here because this is just what life is, this is what they do. This is, you know, I'm a church kid, I grew up in the church. But there's absolutely no zeal or love for the Lord. That's not everybody, of course, but just in general. It's just dead. And you find yourself spending four years with them, really evangelizing them, like telling them about the love of Jesus and how it's real and why it's important for you to believe in God. And what you find on the other end of the spectrum with non-believers is they're the ones that I'm actually meeting with on a regular basis to open the Word of God with people and just share that with them. Um, I had more people come to know the Lord by sitting with them on a Wednesday morning and going through Romans because they'd never looked at the Bible before and just let the Word do it, do its work. The Word do its work. Um, and so I would commend that to you. We kind of can really uh, do ourselves a disservice with the stereotypes we had today that, that people are so against God's Word and people don't want to hear it. And, and, and in some places that's true. I'm not going to say that that's not. But for the most part, um, if you've kind of done some work with either building a relationship with somebody, um, asking them to, hey, would you, would you be interested in sitting down and reading First John and just talking about it? You'd be surprised at what people would say and do. Um, some people are, have bigger barriers than others. Don't get me wrong. This is why we talked about bridges last week. But I had never been turned down, and people would say, I'm not asking enough. Uh, if you're in sales, I've never been turned down to sit down and read the Bible with other people. I, I don't know, maybe you have, and, and, and like I said, that's not a, not, it's not always going to be the case. Um, but that can be the best thing to do with people, uh, is, is to get them in front of the Word, to sit down and just say, let's just read this and talk about it. I don't have to have all the answers. I'm not putting this answer on you, but what I want is for them to interact with God's Word. Okay, one of the ways that we can do this, uh, this is why the church is so important, is we invite people to church, not just so that they'll kind of get involved in this community, which is so important. It's what it's so that they'll sit in front of the preached word of God. That's where the power is. Right. That the Holy Spirit is working in and through that. He works in and through people. Don't get me wrong. But that's what's in our mind about why we want people to come to church why we want to go to church, why I'm here is I have to sit, I need to sit on a regular basis. I need a steady diet of God's word in my life. Um, so just some things to think about um, and hopefully maybe to put some fears and angst at, at, at bay as you begin to think about how, who it is I might want to begin sharing the gospel with, how um, and why, okay? So having said that, let's talk about Ralph, Okay. So we, this is the, the one we read at the beginning of, uh, I guess, two, two, days ago, or two weeks ago. And um, you all have read this by now. Um, any of those listening, you have to come find the case study in my office, I guess. So let me just ask this for the room, some of these questions. Um, can you relate to Ralph? What part? And what advice would you give Ralph from what we've you know, talked about this series? Go. What did you all say? Yeah. Um, maybe by virtue, 
where I fit in the organization. I'm not a shy dude. You know, in a sense, I think he's the way I'm. Well, I'm inferring from this though is that he's still too worried about getting the message to him too soon. It's on his timetable, his guilt level, or whatever's bothering him. Not the you got to invest all that time and energy up front in building relationships first. The other will follow. Mm -hmm. Opportunities will follow. Mm -hmm. You can't force that timing. Yeah. Did, did this scenario resonate with most of y'all? Several. Good, 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 good. Um, anybody found themselves in this situation? Anybody, was it, has anybody ever been a Ralph? I know I have at times. You used to be? Yes. Um, I, well, I, I don't mean to blame it all on the Baptists, but I did grow up. <laughs> Edit that out. Okay. No. And, um, so I was very uncomfortable with the differences in their lives, so there was more of a superficial relationship with them and once I realized I needed to embrace them and it was okay to go to a happy hour so I could know them and uh, I could still be me and I could that's how God started working in me to love and respect them. I work in a mostly culturally Catholic environment and so I don't get and understand everything from their point of view so I don't really have the sophistication to exactly tell them for them to hear it. But I do, when I got to have a very visible life event happen, they already knew that I wasn't doing things that they, you know, they knew kind of who I was. Mm -hmm. So they got to watch me, and then God used it. But that being so afraid they're different that I can't be a part of their lives. That's who I used to be. Let me tell you. Yeah. Doesn't work. So, so you're you're uh, getting at what one of the things I want us to see is that what Ralph has to begin doing, and this is not a criticism to him, is uh, as we kind of go back to what we talked about two weeks ago. He's got to develop a heart for the lost, which means he's 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 got to see lost people as having deep deep value. I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, but with that comes some freedom to say, look, this is what Jesus did. Jesus found himself around so many different types of people. And there is some freedom in the gospel for me to go where they go. doesn't mean I have to do what they do. Um, but I want to be very careful here because not everybody's ready to go where other people go, you know. Um, uh, but, but it doesn't mean that we can't. And, and so one of the things that I would be thinking about with Ralph is, Clearly, what I want to talk about in the world that I live in, which seems to be the church world, is not at all where these people are living. And I've got to do some serious work on finding some type of what? Bridge, Bridge a common thread here. And uh, that can be with, with, you know, with a happy hour. Like, I just need to listen to what these people talk about and what they enjoy. And they need to see me around them. Um, but, you, you know, all those things are situational specific. So... I'm not saying everybody has to go to happy hour because, you know, some people, I'm, I'm kind of a recovering alcoholic. I really don't need to be there. I get that. But we can find some things to invite them to that are not church-related. We call these side doors. We'll talk about that in a second. But Murray, go ahead. It seems to me that it's Ralph against his coworkers. It's not Ralph trying to make a friend with a coworker. Um, it's Ralph, it seems like he feels like he needs to be the, the preacher to the crowd rather than the one guy who shares his faith in with a friend yes. who makes it work. Yes. Um, Great observation. Um, 
This is the Messiah complex. Ralph kind of has that. <laughs> that the Word of God depends solely on me and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. And um, Guilty, right? I mean, we put that pressure on ourselves and we don't even... It's, it's sort of this... What do you call it? A false humility. You know, but it really isn't. It's the most prideful thing in the world. Um, this reminded me too, Murray. Uh, I want to go back to those three categories of... Well, the, the, the tiller, there's the tiller, the, tiller the, the, the cedar, and the, the, the harvest, the fruit. Um, that agrarian illustration, you know, is Ralph thinking in those categories? You know, maybe, maybe I'm just here to make it a little easier for the next guy. Uh, what can I do to till that hard soil? Someone's heart's really hardened towards the gospel. What are the things I can do to begin softening that person's heart, um, and, and maybe for Ralph and his relationship, maybe he finds out that these people are maybe the coworker he's really trying to get to know had a bad experience in the church, and so he thinks one thing or she thinks one thing about Christians and one thing only. And so your task at this point is to till that and, and soften it, so that whether you have the opportunity to sit and actually look at the Word of God with them, somebody else might later on in their life, but that that soil is now ready to receive that. So. Do we think in those categories? You know, or are we, are we saying all the time, I'm all of these things all the time. Oh, and by the way, I'm the Holy Spirit making this grow. So um, that's the Messiah complex. There's great freedom in realizing that, too, that, that I, my personality, my skills, my gifts, whatever it is, the, the, the Spirit uses those things in a particular uh, phase of the evangelism process that I'm... And I, I see myself very much as a seed planter. Hmm. I'm not one who's praying with people left and right to receive Christ. Uh, so I'm not a harvester, but I, I see myself more as a ground cultivator in the, in the seed sower. And there's great, I find great freedom in that. I'm not, a, I'm not saying I'm never going to do that, and I'm not afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. But I just notice that looking over the pattern of years of my life that I really do fit into those categories much better than I do that. Yeah, that that's great. Anything else? Any other comments? About Ralph? I'm sure he would do well to be in this class. Okay. Pray that God would do softening. Preparing the... That God would soften their heart and prepare their hearts to receive what he has to say. said to pray for these? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, good, good opportunity to remind all this that we're saying and doing, we... Yes, um, the, 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 the presupposition, if you will, which is umbrella, the umbrella that Ellis is under is that we are praying for the Holy Spirit to work. Uh, certainly. Um, yes. So, well, let's go on to case study number two with the time that we have here. And uh, this is about Cindy and Beth. Cindy and Beth. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, great. Uh, I mean, we were friends. We were just probably really We went to happy hour together. Yeah, we went to happy hour together, and it started all there. But anyway, um, I had moved away, uh, came back. Our friendship was solid, and it was a very scary situation for her to step out. I mean, not for her. She's very comfortable with me, but she didn't know where I was. Mm. I hadn't been in church for years. Mm. Um, and... I needed that little nudge of just asking me, 
I mean, I wasn't brave enough to walk in a church or start start going again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was terrifying. That that's a very uh I want to say interesting is not the word I'm looking for, but like a very powerful statement. As you are coming back to Fort Worth, you know, you would even say about yourself, because I think we put all these expectations or these assumptions on people that they have their life together, they know what they want, they probably have been been to and fro uh, with the church, been there, done that. I'm I'm over here now, and but you, but there's a, there's great fear coming back, and and we, like, that doesn't surprise us. Then once we kind of listen to that story, because that story is our story, like we're full of fear. And to have somebody to come in and just encourage them, which is why, you know, I hear a lot in the South and I'm hearing it a little bit in Texas, well, a lot in Texas. Uh, so very similar that, that when we think about evangelism, like we, everybody just says, well, everybody's already got a church, you know, everybody's always, everybody's churched around here. And uh, that's code word, you know, for, you know, like I'm a Christian, right? But we all know, um, I mean, the church is the most transient thing around uh, that people can even be in the seats, but they're not growing or learning anything. Um, I feel like everybody I talk to, not everybody, I'm using these huge generalizations, but in the church has come from someplace else where, um, you know, at one point it was not necessarily anything about that church. It's just they're like, we weren't Christians. And then we got hooked on the gospel and we wanted a Bible-believing church. And, and a friend that we knew went to Fourth Press, so we checked it out and we're still here. <laughs> that's like half our, that's all of our stories to some extent. But I, I just I think that's great to 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 hear from your perspective that you needed somebody to to nudge you to to invite you to come along and, well, and acceptance and it, yeah it, it, I've never been presbyterian right I mean, it was huge <laughs> 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 that's awesome great um, yes. Yes. Okay. Let me uh, let me offer. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Bill. Well, I wanted to wanted to make aware the use of side doors and uh, what I mean by that. And y'all probably are familiar with this statement. Um, You know, you know your people better than I do. But um, sometimes the people we're inviting aren't maybe they, they maybe aren't necessarily ready for the big room. You know. The, which is like our front door, right? The worship service. And um, because, look, you said it yourself. I, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out this Presbyterian thing, right? It's a little weird. Now, we sing these old, old hymns. Um, we have this confession that is old that we say is really cool because it is old because it connects us historically with the church. Uh, we have this communion thing. That's strange. We have these elders. What is that about? Uh, you know, if you begin to dissect your own culture, it's weird when foreign ears hear about it. And so the front door of our church, which is typically our worship service, might not be the place we start with other people. And so side doors are what? These are ways for people to come in and kind of get a little bit of experience about how weird this place is before they really see how weird it is, right? <laughs> so I kind of... So side doors can be, um, you know, I'm thinking about men's ministry coming up. So this next Thursday, we're going to have that beer and brat thing over at the Jordan's house. Well, I got a phone call from a gentleman. Um, I don't know if that gentleman's here or not, but, um, and uh, 
He was just, he, he's coming out of a Baptist kind of culture, and he couldn't believe that that was in the bulletin, and, and that the pastor made an announcement about it from the pulpit. Now, there was a great conversation about those things, um, and he was excited about partaking or just enjoying the, the freedom there. But for some people, because I told him, I said, it would be more weird for our people if there wasn't beer there. That's just our culture. Um, you know, like if we didn't, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's what it would happen. Um, but that can be a more friendly thing, an easier thing to invite somebody to than, than everything that they would experience, right, in worship. Now, granted, I'm still trying to get them in front of the Word of God, but sometimes people need to wade in and be like, okay, my stereotypes of weird, crazy Christians is not uh, what I think it is. These people are kind of normal. So um, just to use that for y'all, go ahead. They're going to get a little Jesus. Yeah. Uh, a couple other side doors. I mean, I, 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 th- I would say the women's Bible study on, on, on Wednesday morning is, is a good side door. There's a lot of people that become members of this church because they came to that Bible study first. Um, the, the pub night, the poker night uh, that we do is, is an easy side door. But here's the thing about side doors. They can be anything that y'all like to do. Those are the natural bridges. You can create side doors more than you realize, too. So one of the oh. things the Lord used to reach me was a Bible study at work. Yeah. Done in a large organization where you never expected. Um, and, you know, to prepare me, the Lord put me through some stuff that was really making me question the direction I was going. He put all these other engineers and technical people I respected around me who would ask me very pointed questions or certain types of questions. And then there was this Bible study that they were doing. And so... That's that's how the Lord, what He used to reach me. Right, right. From a very Presbyterian point of view, that's what exactly we did. He prepared me and then gave me a direction. Yes, yes. So um, here's the here's the here's the thing. Don't wait for your staff to create the side doors. It's not my job. It's not Darwin's job to program this thing to death. It's your job to figure out. Okay, what do I like to do, and who else likes to do that with me, and then I can start inviting people. Um, to go come along and do that with me. Um, some people like to quilt in the other church that we uh, were a part of. I wouldn't know anything about quilting, and I probably would say no. But there are people who love the quilt, and as I have learned about quilting, it is an, it is uh, just uh, it is probably one of the most perfect communal activities you can think of because everybody is centered around this quilt and is taking a section of it and is quilting it. That's the right phrase, and talking about life. Okay, quilting is a great side door apparently. Um, obviously sports, news, and the weather, we can create different things like that. But um, y'all, cre- y'all come up with these and invite each, other's, each other to, to play a part in it. I like you invite people to the Christmas service. 
Yes. 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 Yeah. And you you underestimate how many people don't have access to that and wouldn't know where to go and wouldn't know, Mm -hmm. you know, and to have a friendly face with someone to sit next to, it makes, you know, nobody wants to walk into a Christmas service. Right. I mean, I was surprised. So last Christmas service obviously was our first, and Steve Fultz is running around trying to get enough chairs to... And I just, I just thought this was normal. Like, this service is incredible. So you almost pack this place out every sun, every time, and they're like, no, this is... We've never had this many people. And I'm thinking, how in the world is that possible? And Because um, this is just wonderful. And I think that one of the ways that's possible is we just don't think to invite people to that. We think they, they have it too. Um, or Or... Step on some toes, my own first. Um, we like to kind of say, this is our church and our service. And this is not for other people. This is for my family. And uh, shame on us uh, for that. Because uh, that's us taking the gospel and saying, no, nope, this is just me. This is just for me. So maybe that's, a, maybe that's something we can work towards as we think down the road here in a few months. We're going to have that service again. What soil can I be preparing in, in, some, in a friend's heart to say, hey, would you come to this with me? Um, so... Something to think about. This woman at work said, Yeah, I'm a Christian. So, which church does she go to? Unity, Unitarian, and whatever. And in my conversations, it's pretty clear that she doesn't know the gospel. Right there, that's an opportunity. An opportunity. Yeah. Sure. Because they think. Sure, sure. Now it's like, how? You know, and you get into this one. How, how, how would you reach a Unitarian, someone who believes if that's what that person is? You know, someone, so that's. Yeah, and some think they shouldn't because uh, they're not right with God. That's something that makes uh, very clear that uh, it's not. I don't think I'm uh, qualified or want of a better word right now. Okay. Uh, to tell them that, yeah, this one is, yeah, I'm, I'm living with someone now, so I can't come to church. Like sure. Yeah. Um, the Lord will bring many interesting scenarios into your life. So, um, and just, I'll use that again as an example. We want to continue this conversation. We want to continue hearing about how we can help you all uh, dis- discuss different um, scenarios. Bill, you have a question. question. Um, uh, Cindy is already prepared soil, and it was actually Beth in the past years ago who prepared her. Yes. And, but now that she's coming back and she wants to go to church, She's thinking about it. Beth doesn't know this, and, and Beth doesn't know that actually she's now ready. So she, Beth is hesitant to invite her to church, but uh, she's already prepared by Beth. Yes, okay. But it was the Holy Spirit who really did. Right. Right. But you, you hit on something that I want us to take from this case study is, is kind of that idea of you don't know where, you, you, where the Lord is placing you in the life of someone's story, right? And, um, you know, one of the things that I, f- I feel like we constantly tried to drive into college students' heads when we were on campus was, you know, y- you being a jerk your freshman year will actually pay dividends <laughs> your senior year uh, with people that, because you know, you're going to change, right? And, and, and so as we talked about how, how to love people, 
Okay, so you're inviting people to RUF, you're inviting people to church, or you're, right? If they're rejecting you or saying no, or they never show up, it doesn't mean that you begin to just say, oh, all this is for naught, or, um, or maybe you take that personally and you start being angry or, you know, just kind of start, stop caring about certain people. Um, because uh, how, how you responded to their rejection or how you responded to their questions or how you responded to where they were at this particular stage in life will pay dividends down the road when, just like this case study, she just remembers, hey, you know, uh, she was really nice to me. Um, she really cared and took an interest in my life. And while I didn't accept her invitation at that point in time, I'm now in a better place because this is where the Lord has brought me to be open to those things. And because that bridge wasn't burned back whenever, I'm now open to that conversation. And I really want you all to take that with you, that as we think about, this, is the, this gets to the image of God. If we think about people as being in the image of God, this is what makes them valuable. Um, then we come at it with a different perspective because it's not always about us. It's about caring for God's people. And this might be where, at this point in time in life, this might be where God has them. And then later time in life, they may be more open to what's going on. And because of the way that you responded and cared for them and showed them maybe a different gospel than what they've been told, a different vision of church, they actually might, that's how the Lord is using them to bring them into his kingdom. So great point, Bill. I really appreciate you bringing that up and, 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 and seeing that. Um, so, okay, uh, we need to dismiss, but um, I hope you all continue to talk about this. Obviously, we're going to carry this on into next week as we begin apologetics and building on this topic. But um, let me pray for us and we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for this morning and we pray that as we consider your gospel and its value and its worth, that we would reflect on, um, on how that has impacted our own lives and that we would reflect on how you loved us when we didn't love you and how that has made all the difference in the world. And so would, would, would that be our motivation to go in and, and begin to, even for some of us, if it's just, if it's just beginning to pray for certain people, um, let alone talking to them at this point, would we care enough to do that? Would we care enough about our schedules and our lives to, to um, invest time in other people's lives, even if it's just one person, so that we might be privileged enough to see you bring them to yourself? Would you use us in that way? Would you encourage us in that way? We ask this in your son's name. Amen.